languages are so interesting. And the Nguni language, or rather the Nguni tribe, is an interesting tribe on its own. You see, so many Nguni people live all across East Africa, all the way down to South Africa. Itanga means thigh in Zulu and Nguni language. In this episode, I talk to Joanna Matanga, a Congolese raised in North Carolina, in Charlotte, North Carolina. And she tells me about her heritage and what it means to be African-American. Yeah, so I know that you have family in South Africa that, you know, that live there. And you love going to South Africa yourself. Oh my gosh, yes. What do you know about South Africa and like, what do you like about it? Uh, I love that it's like, there's a lot of freedom there, I feel like. Like, I feel like it's like, of course, it's African culture where it's like, okay, the living's less stressful. It's not as go, 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 go as the U.S. Mm -hmm. But also, I feel like the South African government has come so much further than a lot of um, other African countries. And in part that was due to like just longer colonialization and, you know, less, less um, kind of exploitation of resources and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, But I do appreciate how they've been able to like use that to their advantage. Um, Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's become almost like a touristy destination. (laughs) So do you agree when people say, um south africa is not really africa it's a resort on the african continent Mm, i don't know i don't think i agree with that because yeah i don't i don't think i agree with saying that it's not really africa because i go there and it definitely feels like africa right um Mm. but yeah i don't think i don't think it's as I don't think it's a resort. There's, there are definitely places that, you know, make it feel resorty, but you can also find that in like Kenya, you can find that in Morocco, you can mm-hmm. find that in, uh, you know, Ghana, like just different places. Um, so I don't think it's not Africa at all. I think it's fully African invaded, but for sure African. I appreciate that, Joanna, because I get into tiffs with people telling me that South Africa is not quite South Africa. No, that's because it's different. Yes, but that's you got to look at the history and see why, not just disregard all of that and be like, well, now we're going to, you know, because that that's you're, you're deleting history when you're when you're speaking like that. And that's not cool. Right. So tell me a little bit about your background. You Congolese. Yes, ma'am. Raised in North Carolina. Can you just tell me how that came about? For sure, yes. So I was born in the Democratic Republic of Congo in the capital of Kinshasa in the um, heart of the country. And I moved to the U.S. um, at around five, five, five and a half as a refugee because I was a U.S. citizen at the time. I'm ethnically Congolese. My father was a U.S. citizen, so that granted oh. me U.S. citizenship. And um, uh, because of the Rwandan war that was like permeating in the eastern portion of the country, U.S. citizens had to leave the country. 
So we had to leave. So we got up out of there like quick, fast, in a hurry. Um, and then we had family in Charlotte. So that's where we landed. And the 704, Charlotte, Charlotte raised me and made me a lot of who I am. I love the city so much. Um, and then came to the Triangle area for school. So I went to UNC Chapel Hill and I kind of just stayed. Yeah, yeah, go heels, honey. Uh, and I kind of just stayed in the area. So that's me in like a nutshell. So would you say that there's still a, a, a part of you um, that's that's really 100%, I mean, that's, that's fully Congolese in for a way, sure. even though you were, um, you know, you had to flee at such a young age? Oh my goodness, no doubt. I... I not hate this question. I don't hate it, but it's like, it's such a complex question because it's like growing up, I always felt like I was too Congolese for my school friends. And then mm. my community, I felt like I was too American for them, but i never had that issue in my parents' house. Like it was always, I'm just Joanna. Like, and this is where I perfectly fit in. No one ever made me kind of choose a box or whatever or do you feel Congolese are you Congolese you know like if you look at my passport like ethnically place of birth Kinshasa no matter what my place of birth is but even both the lineage of my parents will tell you that and also like I feel so connected to the land because I go back so often like Mm -hmm. and growing up my life was Congolese like nothing inside of our home was not Congolese. So it was just, I mean, maybe besides like the things we'd see on TV or whatever, but culturally that's, that's exactly how I grew up. And my parents never let me, you know, depart from that, never gave me even opportunity to do that. So yeah, definitely Congolese through and through. And if you ask my friends, that's exactly what they'll tell you. So mm-hmm. yeah, I know that. I right. know that. Exactly. <laughs> Well, sure. So, do you know anything about tribal wars and tribalism um, that happened in South Africa Mm. that kind of impacts you or your family in any way? Oh my goodness, I don't think so. I was reading, well, not reading, excuse me. I was listening to Trevor Noah's Born a Crime book and he spoke about how um like the tribalism or like the tribal wars that were kind of in kind of um like started and fueled by western countries or whatever and how that kind of led to um like divisiveness among tribes or whatever. But mm-hmm. as far as extending the reach outside of South Africa itself, I have no clue. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's, there's, um, you know, I've had a couple of people on my, co- on my podcast that generationally because of those tribal wars, um, their families had to flee from Southern Africa, South Africa, mm. all the way up to Zambia mm. and some to actually the Congo, right? Yeah. And so um, that's what I wanted to find out if you had any any clue about what that looks like. But, you know, you've got family in South Africa that are Congolese mm-hmm. and you know about the 
uh, xenophobic attacks that used to happen. Yeah. Do you, was your family impacted in any way? And how do they feel and how did they respond to that? Oh, my goodness. So they were in school while that was happening. And um, they kind of were just like, what, you know, what is going on? Like, why is this happening? But also trying to finish school because it wasn't like school was letting up for them. And that was their main focus. Like, like I really want this to be done. But also, how awful is this that this is happening? You know, they didn't really speak a lot on it, but that it was like... And I, you know, I reached out like, oh, how are you guys doing? Are y'all safe? Blah, blah, blah. And they're like, yeah, we're fine. We're good. We don't understand. Um, their classmates maybe were more impacted than they were. But mm-hmm. um, for the most part, they're just like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What would you say are the major differences about being, because I would 100% say that you are truly Mm african-american right Mm um um and i'm not really trying to disrespect any african-american by no means but you were born in africa and raised in america really right um do you do you find yourself having these identical i i mean identity um conversations with your siblings or even other African-American friends? Mm, With my siblings, I would say we're all on the same front, right? We all grew up in the same home and kind of have this personal um, identification of self. So we all know what we are, but it's kind of like getting that out to other people of getting them to understand what I am, how I grew up, blah, blah, blah. Even though we're in the same class, I'm just a little bit different. Like you're different than I am. I'm different than you are. Not to say that, you know, like those differences aren't, I don't think one is superior than the other. It's just different. But as far as my siblings, there's an understanding of what was expected of us, but also how we wanted to express that, um, like express our culture, express how we grew up, blah, blah, blah. But as far as conversations with my friends all the time, especially in undergrad, um, because in primary school, it wasn't a thing of like, um, it was like, oh, she's African. She's the African friend. And it was like, I don't think, I don't think people really understood what that meant. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, besides the jokes of like, oh, the African beauty booty scratcher and, um, oh, do you have like lions in your backyard? Do you go hunting for zebras? Like all that kind of stupid stuff. But when it got to college or everyone, you know, it's kind of expanding their worldview a little bit. You got to dig into the minutia of, well, what did that mean for you growing up? Like, what was that like? And like I said, again, like I never had to, like, it, it's always understood in myself, but when it's, when I'm trying to express it, that's where it comes a little different because like you said, like I was, I was born in the Congo, but raised in North Carolina. So a lot of, a lot of me is, you know, American culture, but in the home, it was still very Congolese. So outside, you know, at school, it was all American. And then I get at home and we're eating fufu and rice and bundu and all the stuff and speaking Lingala and French and all of that. So even the community I grew up around, um, just the church I went to and 
everything of that nature. It was like everybody kind of knew, but as far as expressing it, that's where it became a issue or kind of hard to express. Yeah. So what would you, I mean, you mentioned, you know, name calling when you were in primary school and stuff. I know a friend of mine from Togo, he still experiences that in 2020 where Mm. other African-Americans will say a lot of unpleasant stuff to him. Mm -hmm. Um, When you, if you recall times where you were called those names and Mm -hmm. you were, you know, people said the things that they said, what, what questions did you have in your mind about the things that they were saying and where did that leave you in mm. understanding your position in this culture? Right. I was like, you need to get out more. Like, <laughs> I was like, well, who actually does have this kind of stuff in there? In there. Um, Except Joe Exotic. You said what? Except Joe Exotic. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, And he's in the U.S. So right. um, I'm like, where like, where does the ignorance come from? So for me, it was like, oh, these people are real ignorant. Like, how mm-hmm. on earth? And later on, found out that a lot of this is learned behavior, but also just kind of how people are portrayed on TV. Like, Nat Geo had to do some sort of apology where it's like, oh, we exacerbated kind of um, you know, the coverage that we we do on developing countries and uh, in Africa and Asia and all of that. And I was like, it really took y'all this long to realize that what y'all were doing were wrong. Um, mm. So growing up, I just kind of was like, what in the world? Like, well, screw them. Okay. Like, we're just not going to be friends. And then, um, but it was always like an inner turmoil for me where I was like, well, maybe I just shouldn't tell people that I'm Congolese, you know, like maybe mm. I, maybe I keep that to myself. Maybe I not get my hair braided so much because these people are going to make fun that I wear braids or whatever. Maybe I, maybe I should change who I am that way they, you know, perceive me as one of them. Yeah. So I did that for a little bit and I was like, yeah, I don't like this. So, um, yeah, I'd I'd tell anybody going through that right now, never adapt because I think it comes full circle, right? Like we're in 2020 and though, you know, we've got this pandemic and whatever, but like globalization has hit and there's so much more learning power. People are getting educated and expanding their worldview and see like, oh yeah, people don't actually have zebras in their backyard and um, all of that. And oh, like, you know, we've got this um, kind of like understanding of the diaspora where it's like, oh, shoot, like you see a lot of people trying to figure out where where they've come from or where their ancestry is and all of that. And I value already knowing that, you know, like that's that's really personal to me. Yeah. So I think I think with everyone trying to or not everyone, how about the pe- people of the diaspora trying to do better about like connecting other people of the diaspora to the continent that I am thankful and grateful for. It's like appreciation rather than kind of demonization um, or just ignorance of the things that you see on TV. I'm glad it's being celebrated now. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. What would you say, what does being 
African mean? I've got, you know, a twofold question to this. What does being African mean to you? And what does being African American mean to you? Mm, I think being African to me means um, I hold fast to the culture that raised me and made me, right? So different little things from things like foods to art, music. Um, what, what, what else would I say? I, clothing, definitely clothing, super into clothing. Um, but also like familial ties, like definitely being a part of communities that are very much into being a community, you know, like it takes a village. It's like so many, you know, I feel like so many people raised or had a definitely a strong role in raising me to things such as traditional marriages. Like those are some of the best parts of, I feel like my culture um, and just like strong family units, I think. Um, but that's also an African-American culture. As far as Africans specifically, gosh, it's so hard. I feel like for me to separate the two. I think it's just, hmm. So, okay. I think African, I'm thinking if I'm back on the continent, I'm back in the Congo, like what is different than here? I think the pace of life, the way people care for one another, um, like in that community sense, and also like an understanding of home, of like real settling of home. Like this is our land. Like this is where I'm from. This is the place that made me and will make my children. As far as African-American, I think the same things, except they just look a little different. So like the food is different. The music's different. The art is different. The way people handle family is different though I think um African Americans do a lot of family like very big into family family over everything that kind of thing I think that still looks a little different you don't have traditional weddings you don't have that like um marriage of the family families but it's still emphasis on well you don't want your family to be there maybe um so yeah so last question is what does finding uhuru mean for you wait what does uhuru mean uhuru means freedom oh freedom oh my gosh man finding uhuru in what sense like i feel like i could take this so many ways it's like i could do this socially emotionally what's the first thing that pops up to mind when you hear finding who mm, I think being who I want to be like without, without limitation. So without limits on defining myself, even though you've just spent this last time, this, you know, this last, these last few moments defining who I am. I think, I think finding Uhuru to me is being who I am without limitations put on me by other people who say, I'm not African enough. I'm not American enough. I'm not black enough. You know, whatever that is. It's like Uhuru for me would be stepping out of those limits or constraints that people themselves 
project on me. Yeah. Uhuru is something that we're, we're all in um, many ways are still trying to figure out and find. Yeah. And my hope is that we could all see that unity where there's unity there's lots of blessings that come with that unity Mm -hmm. um but we have to find freedom in some shape or form right in a place in a person in a god in something that you believe in but it's all a journey it's all a process agreed